The West Coast Traveler is an adventure in itself with content created by professional journalists and amazing photos provided by our readers. WestCoastTraveler.com is the newest travel network exploring all corners of Western Canada and the U.S. You'll see stunning photos and videos, read engaging travel features from around Western Canada and the U.S. Experience all the West Coast has to offer. Begin planning your next adventure. Visit WestCoastTraveler.com. Welcome to PQ Beat, a podcast of the Parksville Qualicum Beach News. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening. I'm Philip Wolf, editor of the PQB News and Vancouver Island Daily. Every year, more than 50,000 people participate in the TCS New York City Marathon. This year's is on November 6th, which courses through all five boroughs of the city. For one Parksville resident, this year is unique because unlike the 13 other marathons he's completed, this will be his first marathon since being diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. Here to talk about that today, we welcome Al Fortune. Al, thanks for joining us today. Yep, thanks for having me. When did you begin running? Actually, running for me started back in high school. When I was going to school in in Victoria, they had this thing called the 12-minute run. And so you'd go out to the field and you'd do as many laps as you could. And back then, they would hand you a popsicle stick. And so after you finished, you'd hand in your popsicle sticks. And I remember the person organizing that day said, you didn't run this many And I said, yeah, I did. He goes, no, you cheated. And I said, well, I didn't cheat. And so they made me come back the next day. Actually, what I did is I ended up doing an extra lap. So then from there, then all of a sudden, I decided cross-country team. That sounds like kind of fun. So you were running trails and you're running through the mud and stuff like that. And then I got linked into playing rugby. And that kind of is where my running started. So running played into helping me play rugby and they just stuck together. Did you play any other sports besides rugby and running? Rugby took up a lot of my time. Like, I love that sport. I played for several teams over the years. And then, unfortunately, I suffered quite a serious injury. I broke two vertebrae in my neck, recovered from that, but it w- wasn't quite the same. You just didn't have the same fight as you did. And, and as time went on, I, I couldn't play anymore because the nerves were pinching in my neck and my hands were closed, and I, I just had to give up. So then I just sat around and gained a lot of weight. And one day, my now ex-wife, she linked up with some ladies and they decided we're going to do the sun run. So they did all this training and they did the sun run. And here I'm laying on the couch with chips on my chest and <laughs> thinking, if they did it, I can do it. So I started out and I could just barely run around the block. It was a struggle. And I'm thinking, well, look what I used to do. Then slowly I started training more and more and then... I did a 10K and I did another 10K and I said, I did a 10K. I could certainly do a half marathon. So did a half marathon and then I've ended up doing 20-something half marathons. Thought if I can do a half, I can certainly do a full marathon. Then I started training for a full marathon. But this is back in the early 90s where technical clothes didn't exist. The internet wasn't there. You didn't have all those, these resources of information. Training was quite different than it is today. When did you complete your first marathon? My first marathon was in 1993, and it was the Vancouver Marathon. And that was back in the year where you would cross the Lionsgate Bridge, the Burrard, and the Ironworkers Memorial Bridge. And it was quite a difficult course. And I remember this point, and I'm standing there three-quarters of the way through the run. I'm thinking, what have I done? And, like, my legs were so chafed from rubbing. And, like, I was wearing cotton shorts, but it felt like I was wearing sandpaper. And I looked down at my feet and blood's oozing out of my runners. And 
my nipples were raw from a cotton <laughs> shirt rubbing back and forth. And I'm standing there like, I'm done. I'm just not going to do it. Then this guy stops and we start chatting and he's run like a hundred marathons. And I'm like, wow, that's just amazing. He has a can of pop and he pulls out and he starts drinking it. And I look over at his name tag and it says Galloway. I'm like, Galloway? I think I've heard that name before. And it's Jeff Galloway. He was a senior editor for Runner's World magazine, which was pretty cool. And with talking to him, that helped build my spirits and I made it to the finish line. You make it sound like such an exciting experience (laughs) with your blood and chafing. Can you tell us about how you felt when you crossed the finish line that first time? Oh, it was an amazing feeling. Any time you cross the finish line when you work so hard to get there, there's no way to describe it. It's an exciting feeling, and it just makes you want to do another. So how many others have you competed in? I've done Vancouver multiple times, Victoria multiple times, Seattle. One of my favorite ones was Honolulu. That was 2010. And then, actually, I was in New York 10 years ago. And I flew in, and I was really excited. This is going to be my first New York City Marathon, and Hurricane Sandy had a different idea. (laughs) So Hurricane Sandy ripped up the coast. So many people were out of electricity, and I remember landing in the airport and waiting for my luggage, and here it comes down the conveyor, and there's water oozing out of all this. I'm thinking, yeah, that's probably not really a good sign. So then I grab my luggage, and I stand in the line of about five miles long waiting for a cab, and up in a cab and start going and then we go through this checkpoint i go what is this he goes no cars are allowed past here the only people that are allowed past this point are taxis and emergency vehicles i'm like oh this doesn't sound good so we're driving down and the streets are empty and it's just filled with people walking aimlessly through all these dark buildings because there's no power it's like being in a post-apocalyptic movie so we're driving down, and when finally I'm like, there's no way my hotel's going to have power. And so I see down in the light in the corner, there's some light. And I get to my hotel, and it's just mayhem because people living in New York are trying to find a place to stay. So they're in there trying to get a hotel room, and I finally get up. My room's there, and I said, yeah, I really need something to eat. Where's your restaurant? And he said, it's on the fourth floor, but we don't have any food. I hadn't eaten in like a day. Right now, that would be a disaster living with diabetes and not being able to eat. So... They said, well, you can make your way to Times Square. It was about four miles from our hotel. And I get down there, and again, half of the places don't have any food. One of the exciting things about that trip, the New York, 10 years ago, is I woke up the day of the race, and even though I got canceled, you look out the window, I'm like, wow, it's what a beautiful day. And there's streams of people heading towards Central Park. And everyone ran it anyway. So people just did laps of Central Park to make up the 42 and a half kilometers, and The people of New York lined the streets, handing out apples and cookies and water and juices. It was just an amazing experience, and it just really made me want to do it again. What's your best time? My best time was back quite a few years ago, and it was the worst weather ever. It was just like a monsoon, and there's my mom and dad standing out there, and the wind's just blowing like crazy, and it's pouring down rain in Victoria, And I did it in three hours and 48 minutes, which I was pretty happy with. But the funny thing is, I didn't really follow a training schedule. It was more of a Zen running schedule. It's like when I woke up that day, that's what I did. And so it was like being relaxed and super focused. But yeah, it turned out to be my best race. When did you receive your diagnosis for type 1 diabetes and what was your reaction? 
I received it last August, so August 2021. It was devastating because I'm thinking to myself, this is brutal. Like I've been knocked down before with some other injuries and, and stuff and trying to deal with this. This is going to be really tough. It's going to be life changing. But leading up to it is we were training for the ride to conquer cancer, my wife and I, and training was going really well. And I was having these really weird pains in my legs and I end up going to the neurologist and like all these tests and then from there, then I started losing weight and blurry vision. And I'm thinking, wow, this is not good. So my wife convinced me to actually go to the doctor. And right away, they figured out I had type 1 diabetes. And I had lost 40 pounds in a month, which is crazy. That's a lot of weight to lose in a, a very short period of time. Now, what's the difference between type 1 and type 2 diabetes? With type 1, your pancreas just simply doesn't work. So like in my case, it's late onset type type 1 diabetes. So I went through most of my life until my pancreas decided to take a holiday and not come back. Type 2, your pancreas is still working, still creating insulin, but type 1, it doesn't. And you need insulin to break down your food to sugars that feed your liver, and that's what your body needs to survive. So without insulin, like for say type 1, for instance, if the insulin's not there, the sugars are basically being flushed out of your body through your urine. And your body needs nourishment, so your body looks for other ways. So the fatty tissues get eaten up, and then it goes after muscle tissues. And that's why I'd lost so much weight in such a short period of time. Then as it attacks this, then other complications happen. And like in my case, I was extremely weak, and that's one of the major things. How has this affected your day-to-day -day routine? It's completely changed you prepare for the worst and you hope for the best. Every day is different. So you have to think ahead what your meals are going to be because you have to know what your carbs are going to be. But then not only do you have to know what your meals are going to be, you need to know what activities you're going to do. For instance, a normal breakfast that I would have, steel oats with some fruit, some almond milk with protein. So I know that's going to be X amount of carbs. And then I need to calculate how much insulin I take. But if I'm going to exercise after that, then I have to adjust for that. You have to think ahead and th there's nothing spontaneous. You always have to have a plan and that plan always has to be in place. And how has this impacted your running schedule? I find the difference is I'm very focused as far as when I run. Little things like hydration make a huge difference. So I'm having to make sure that I'm like fully hydrated because if you're not, that pushes your blood sugars too high. And then I also have to make sure that I'm coordinating my running schedule with what I'm having for breakfast. So it's always around the same time. It sounds like quite the learning curve. Yes, it is. Every day we're learning something. When I was first diagnosed, I was like, I'm going to find a way to beat this. There is no cure, but you just have to find a way to live with it. So I spent a lot of time online and that's how I discovered Beyond Type 1. And I'm very fortunate that I got picked to be part of the team. Speaking of Beyond Type 1, you've mentioned that you recognize that this particular race is bigger than yourself. And you're running to raise money for Beyond Type 1, which is a nonprofit organization that works to unite the global diabetes community with the goal of improving lives of the millions of people currently diagnosed and affected. Can you tell us a little bit more about that group? Well, I found them online. They were formed by Nick Jonas and his wife. They're really there to help educate people. And some of the stories of other people that have diabetes it has really helped me and it's, it's helped motivate me. 
There's different things that you might find some recipes or things like that. And there was also the topics that no one ever wants to touch is mental health. Dealing with this, it's not easy all the time. And mental health is definitely an issue that people have to deal with. Do you have a special message out there for anyone else who shares your diagnosis? Just that there is hope. And if you stay focused and always have a plan in place, prepare for the worst and hope for the best and things will work themselves out. Are you going to do any other sightseeing when you're in New York? Yeah, for sure. We're not sure exactly what we're going to see. Hope to catch something on Broadway. I've got my name in the hat to do the parade of nations for the New York City Marathon. Looking forward to doing that as well. Al, thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. That's this edition of PQ Beat, produced by the Parksville Qualicum Beach News. Thank you for joining us. If you have suggestions for topics or guests, we would like to hear from you. You'll find our contact information on our website, pqbnews.com. The West Coast Traveler is an adventure in itself with content created by professional journalists and amazing photos provided by our readers. WestCoastTraveler.com is the newest travel network exploring all corners of Western Canada and the U.S. You'll see stunning photos and videos, read engaging travel features from around Western Canada and the U.S., experience all the West Coast has to offer. Begin planning your next adventure. Visit WestCoastTraveler.com.